At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. As we step into the new year, we're turning to the book of James for our message series, Live the Truth. In a culture preaching the power of whatever feels right to you, it's time to set aside positive vibes for a truth you can stand on. Join us as we answer James' call to reject the latest feel-good message for a mature faith. Good morning. How many of you paused at the end of 2021 to reflect? I mean, to think back on those moments where you'd say, you know what, that was really difficult, that was an awesome experience, where you kind of did that evaluation thing to say, hey, look, how can I take what I learned from 2021 and move it into the new year with some positive change? Anybody do that? I hope you did. Now, what ends up happening oftentimes is that when you do that, then you come out with a couple specific goals, or as we like to know them as New Year's resolutions, right? Well, that happens, and oftentimes what happens is, is that causes us to strive to little bit, live a little bit differently, to live with perhaps more intentionality. Maybe then we'd get to the end of 2022 and we would say, hey, I've made some improvement here. There's an area of my life where I've actually taken a season of difficulty and moved it into a season of growth. But at the end of that experience, it's true that most of us, I would say, when we evaluate 2021 and kind of move into the new year, most of us are looking for fulfillment. Most of us would say, you know what, I desire to live differently, to be a little bit different. I desire to have kind of wholeness of life. In the Old Testament, they would call that shalom. It is a peace that is bigger than our word peace. It is kind of wholeness in our lives. Now, if you are here today and you would say, you know what, I need a little bit of that. I want a little bit of fulfillment. I want some wholeness. Well, I want you to know that you have come to the right place. You've come to the right place because as a church, we have the resource. It is a resource that will guide us. It is a resource that will direct our steps. It is a resource that you and I know as the Bible. But I need to warn you. Sometimes when you grab this book and you open it and you dig into this book, it will mess with you a little bit. Sometimes when we open it up, it will stir some deep emotions within us. It will cause us, if we are authentic before the Word of God, if we open it up and we are authentic with it, what it will do is it will cause us to wrestle with difficult questions in our own hearts and mind. And what it will do is it will cause us to embark on the journey in a way that might be different than what we expected before we picked up this resource. I want you to know that what we are about to embark on today, what we're going to be examining in this particular resource is an important part of tying it all together. So when we talk about, hey, I examine the year and I want more fulfillment, I want more wholeness, what I'm suggesting to you is what we are going to be looking at today will bring a measure of those things. 
So if you were here today and you would say, Pastor, the last 24 months, uh, it's been a little rough. It's been a little difficult. I need to know how to navigate the storms of life, to navigate the trials and the struggles and the suffering. If you were here today and you would say, I need to wrestle with things emotionally as well as spiritually, I want you to know that you're, again, in the right place. Right in this moment, I want you to look around the room a little bit. I know maybe sometimes it's a little weird to kind of be in the front and then kind of turn back. Who's that guy behind me? What I want you to do is look around the room a little bit, and then I want to tell you something about the people you're sitting with today. That was weird, wasn't it? (laughs) Every single person in this room, I know of not one family, not one unit that has not had significant struggles of some variety in the last 24 months. Not one. Some of us have experienced the loss of income. Others, perhaps the loss of freedoms, relational strains, loss of a friend or a family member, physical illness. We've dealt with a lot of stuff. So when we talk about fulfillment and wholeness, some of us are going, man, I have to process that because I I don't know how I can get there right now. I've got good news for you. As believers, you and I are called to hope. And today, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that I believe will give us a measure of hope, even in the face of all the stuff we've been walking through in the past 24 months. So when we look back on 2021 and say that was really difficult, and when we look ahead to 2022, I want you to know that what we are looking at today will give us a measure of encouragement. We're going to be starting a six-week sermon series today called Live the Truth. And what that means is we are going to be looking at the first couple chapters of a New Testament book called James. And it is in this series that you and I will find practical wisdom to know how to navigate those things. Practical things. I know sometimes when people come to the Scriptures, they would say, you know what, that's just an old book. It really doesn't have any... Any practical wisdom, any guidance for my life today, not true. And we're going to see why in just a moment. But before we do, let's pray together. Gracious God, you are our heavenly Father. You've invited us here today to bring you an offering of praise, to lift your name high, to acknowledge that your son Jesus is the cornerstone. So God, we've done that with our our mouths. We've proclaimed that with our hearts and with our lives. But God, right now, we need you to engage with us as we open your word through the power of your spirit, engage our minds. Allow us to not only read, but to comprehend, and then let it penetrate our hearts today as we consider some of the difficulties that we've faced in the last year or two head on. 
Give us the opportunity to do that, God, to trust in you and what your word has to say to minister to us as we struggle, as we face trials, as we suffer. Meet with us, God, we pray, through the power of your word, because your word is true, it is truth. So give us ears to hear this truth today, give us eyes to see clearly this truth, and then humble hearts before you, surrendered to you, to live out this truth in the week ahead. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, church, as we get started in the book of James, it's always important for us to have some context, isn't it? So when you look at that, we'd say, well, who is the author? It says it's James, but what exactly does that mean? And who's this letter written to? What's the letter for? All of that. So let's begin with the author. James is the brother of Christ. He's a man who curiously did not believe in the lordship of Jesus when he was kind of living with him and rolling with him through the early stages of his life. And yet after Christ died on the cross, James comes to faith. He actually grows to have this prominent position in the church in Jerusalem. Now again, that's following the death of Jesus. Then we get to the audience. Who's the original audience for this letter? Well, James is what's called a general epistle. It is a general letter because it is written for God's church or God's people at large rather than one specific church group. So the scholars call this a general epistle or a general letter. With humility... James details who it is that he's writing to right there in verse 1 of the first chapter. Here's what he writes. He says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in dispersion. He says right at the beginning of the letter, this is who I'm writing it to. Here's who I am. Humbly, I'm a servant of God. My name is James. I'm in the Lord Jesus, and I'm writing to the 12 tribes and dispersions. Now, this is a letter for ethnic Jews who have trusted in Jesus for their salvation. That's very important for you and me today when we're talking about the whole idea of fulfillment and wholeness. When we look at this letter, that matters, and here's why. Because these are a people who find themselves dispersed from their homeland They have faced persecution or the threat of persecution, and they are on the move. They are on the run. They are dispersed because of their faith in Christ. These people know struggle. These people know suffering. So this is who James is writing to, to offer them a measure of encouragement. So let's grab our Bibles and uh, turn to James chapter 1. And we are going to be looking at, it's on page 1011, by the way, if you have your ESV Bible. If not, you can certainly follow along behind me. But let's read James chapter 1. And we're going to be reading this in kind of segments today. So I'll kind of walk us through this. But James chapter 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes and the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. 
And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and that you may be complete, lacking in nothing. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, well, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And then desire, when it is conceived, has gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it brings forth death. So do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. We're going to stop right there. You know, the concerns and the doubts of these people, as you consider that, you are removed. You've placed your faith in Christ, you're dispersed under persecution. You've got to imagine that these people are dealing with things that are really difficult and they are stressed out. They're a bit overwhelmed, perhaps. And so that's why James writes this this letter, to offer them strength, to offer them encouragement for their journey. And when he writes, he offers a foundational truth for the dispersions and for you and for me as we read this letter some 2,000 years later. As we face tough situations, as we face trials, and today's text offers us something very specific to reality, that a mature faith survives seasons of suffering. I'm going to say that again. A mature faith survives seasons of suffering. So let's dig into the text a little bit more and learn together. Count it all joy, my brothers. Picking it up at verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials or various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Then skip down to verse 12. Blessed is the man... Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. If we're going to be honest with each other as we look at that text, that does seem a little counterintuitive, doesn't it? So you want me to have joy in the midst of my struggles. James, you seem a little tone deaf. I'm not going to lie, you seem a little out of touch. Or maybe it isn't that you're out of touch, maybe you're just one of those people who are just kind of hyper-spiritual. Could that be what's going on? Or could James be giving us something else? Something else to consider. I think James is planting a stake firmly in the ground to say that joy the deep, 
abiding stuff. Joy is not based on our external circumstances. It's not. It's not based on what we experience in the day today. That is the stake in the ground that James is planting right here, right now. And what he does is he invites all who read this letter to see and to embrace this kind of healthy view of the way things happen in our lives and why it matters. There is a greater good at work in the lives of all believers. That's what he is getting us to. And this helps you and I see the first of three very important realities. That surviving suffering requires a right understanding of God's goals. That in order for you and I to survive, even thrive, in this context, we have to recognize that God's goals are at work. Hmm. For some of us, this is a harsh reality. I mean, let's be real here for a moment. Many of us have heard or bought into perhaps a version of Christianity that is about blessings and just receiving good things, just taking it all in. We can live our best life now if we just come to Jesus. That's what you might hear by some TV preachers. If you go into Walmart and look in their book section, you might be able to find some books there that will kind of tell you that, that, hey, if you just come to faith, man, there's blessings abounding for you. That's even what some churches teach. I want to be abundantly clear on this point. That is not why Jesus came to earth. That is not why we celebrated Christmas a few weeks ago, that Jesus came, Emmanuel, so that you and I could live a life of abundance. That is not why he came. Jesus came, lived a sinless life, died on a cross. Not so that we could have an abundance. Not so that things would be easy. Not so that you and I would just be happy all the time with a lot of stuff. It's not why he came. Our Lord died a brutal death on a cross for something far more significant than those things. James wants us to see what those things are. He wants us to see why that matters because God has a different goal. God wants you and me to grow in grace. He wants you and me to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. He wants us to have this unwavering faith and find legitimate wholeness and fulfillment in Him, not in stuff, not in blessing. He is the blessing. It comes in Him. That's why James can say when you and I face trials... When you and I face trials of many kinds, it is a way to produce something in each and every one of us, and that is making you and me more like Jesus. Building Christ-like character in our lives. Now, many of us know this firsthand. I can uh, stand on the stage today and tell you that I know this firsthand. I just kind of experienced this a little bit in the past few months. Now, many of you know uh, COVID came through and kind of took out our whole family. Uh, Bonnie had it. Bethany had it. Reed had it. I had it. 
That was our Thanksgiving. Super. We all tested positive and all had COVID symptoms to varying degrees. For some of us, it was a little lighter. Others of us, it was pretty intense. It wasn't fun. It was certainly not easy. It was not something I would have signed up for. Hey, I'd like a little bit of that. I want you to know that while we were dealing with that, all four of us, when we were dealing with that, we had a pretty significant plumbing issue in our house too. Just made it better. We were living our best life right then, weren't we? But you know what happened as a result of that? God built a gratitude in my life that I probably wouldn't have seen otherwise. God worked something in my heart to say, you need to be more patient. And I know you think you control a lot, Rob, but I want you to trust me more. So there's gratitude, there's patience, and there's trust that was developed in my life in a situation that I would not have signed up for. None of us would have signed up for it, and yet God was working and moving and changing me, and God desires to do the same thing for you. To grow you, to develop you, to mature your faith so that you, when you walk out of here and you go to your office or you go to your business or you go to your school, that you look a little bit more like Jesus than you did the day before. To mold and shape your character. Now let's continue on in our text. We're looking again at James chapter 1 and we're going to focus now on verses 13 through 15. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and when he is enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin is fully grown, it brings forth death. James has shifted the focus from our circumstances and he has placed them squarely upon the heart of the matter. Sin. Sinfulness. Specifically, the sinfulness that lies in each and every one of us. James knows that many of us, when we face those trials, our first inclination would be to run to God and say, it's all your fault. You did it. You tempted me. James speaks directly to those of us who might have that response, and he says, no. No. That is not how it works. He puts the stop to that thinking by focusing his attention on the character of God. God cannot be tempted by evil, and he tempts no one. That's verse 13. In this moment, he wants believers to know and to acknowledge the purity of our God and the purity of God's motives. Numerous stories in Scripture show that God's people are tested. They're tested by difficult circumstances. Intense moments of decision, difficulties around them. 
persecution in many ways. Think of Abraham and the story of Noah or Joseph in the Old Testament. All those things come to mind, and we could go down a long, long list. Those are just a few that came into my mind. But God never tempts His people with evil. God never tempts His people with evil. Doesn't happen. Well, that leads us to a pretty big question, doesn't it? What is going on then when I struggle? What is going on then when you and I have that temptation, when we're right on the edge and we're going to make a bad decision? What is going on? Verse 14, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. By his own desire. James makes it pretty clear right here that when we are tempted, it is the sinfulness that dwells within the human heart that is what drags us down. It's in us. Now, some of you might be saying, wait a second, Pastor, are you saying I'm the problem? Are you saying that my heart isn't good? Is that what you're saying? Is that what James is getting at? Honestly, I don't even need to respond to that because we see Scripture that gives us an answer. The heart is deceitful among all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? That's from the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. Then fast forward to the Psalms. For I was born a sinner from the moment my mom conceived me. Hmm. This is why Pastor Timothy Keller says we are hardwired for sin. We didn't learn sin from someone's bad example. We are hardwired for it. And it is the sinfulness in our own hearts that drags us away from God and away from His purposes. And when you and I acknowledge this, we can see the second point today, the second reality, that in order for us to survive suffering, we have to have a right understanding of our own sinfulness. We have to understand our own sinfulness. God calls us to recognize it. God calls us to acknowledge it. Face it head on. We must deal with the sinfulness that is in our hearts today. Maybe it is lust. Maybe it is greed. Maybe it is covetousness. You know what is stirring in your heart, what you are tempted by. And what God calls you and me to is repentance. Repentance. It is a 180 degree turn. If I am walking this way and that is the thing I'm pursuing and it is sinful, God calls me to do a 180 and go the other direction. That's what repentance is. Turn from sin and turn towards God in humility and to take a humble posture before a holy God. That's what he calls us to. Church, I believe this is one of the more significant It's one of the more significant things for us as we process this text. It is our own sinfulness that moves us away from God. And to be honest with you, that should bring you and I great comfort today. Because if God was the one who was tempting us, then we couldn't go to him for comfort, could we? We couldn't go to him for strength. But instead, it's our issue. And so what we do is we just come humbly before our holy God and he brings strength. He brings comfort through the power of the Holy Spirit to all who believe. I love that. 
When we confess our sin, when we repent of our sin, when we seek and pursue forgiveness, what we receive is all that Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. That's why we call it good news. That's why we call it the gospel. Because it is fantastic for all who believe, for those of us who trust in Jesus. You see, God does not cause our temptation and our sin. But He alone, He alone is the one who can bring comfort and strength in the face of it. I hope you know this today. I hope you believe this today because it truly is a great comfort. When we face trials, maybe we look back on 2021 and say that was a mess and we know that the year ahead is difficult. This should give us great hope today. Now let's continue picking it up at verse 16. He says, Do not be deceived, my brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. I love the truth that James teaches right here in the midst of struggle. He's acknowledging the struggle and he says, I want you to grab a hold of something. I want you to look and grab a hold of the glory of God. Grab a hold, believe the glory of God. Now here's why I would say that. Because he gives us two roles or two attributes that we see in that text about our holy God. He refers to him as the father of lights. That is an acknowledgement of God as creator. The father of lights. He is the one who sets the stars in the sky and he placed the world under their light. As God's people look up to the heavens, we can be reminded of God's sovereignty and his goodness and his power and his creation. That he cares. He set it all in place. So he points to God as creator. And then he does something else. He refers to God and helps us see that God is also our redeemer. Verse 18, of his own will, he brought us forth. How did he do that? He did that by the word of truth. For what reason? That we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. God did this to redeem a sinful people to himself through his son Jesus. And this points us to the third reality that God is our creator and our redeemer and this is our third way that we can survive suffering, survive trials, survive those difficult times in our lives when we have a right understanding of God's character. God's character. Practically speaking, you and I know exactly what this means. We might not understand God's character fully. We certainly don't in this world. But what we do know in our world is that we know what it means to trust in somebody because of their character. Let me ask you a question. You have an intense struggle. You have something that you're facing that is really incredibly difficult. Who's by your side? Who's standing next to you in the midst of your struggle? Someone whose character you trust. 
Someone who you can depend upon in this life. Someone you know and you know and you can depend and trust that they are good. That's what we're looking at here when it comes to our faith. For you and I to navigate these difficult seasons of life, and they are here for many of us, and they are coming in our future. When we have to navigate those difficult things, we must, it is imperative that you and I have a solid understanding of the character of our God. We must know and trust that He is good and that He is worthy of our dependence upon Him. Church, as we close today, I want you to consider the struggle that you're facing this week. It is Sunday and you're looking at the week ahead and you go, I am not looking forward to Tuesday because I have that thing. Maybe this struggle is coming up in the month ahead or perhaps even in the year ahead. You know that it is going to be difficult. I want to leave you today with some biblically rooted hope. Not because your situation will be easy. Not because it will be easy, but because for all who are in Christ, by God's grace through your faith, you can trust that God has a purpose and a plan for that suffering. He has a goal in mind and He desires your good. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Now that's often where the verse stops in some people's minds. I want us to keep going. For those who are called according to God's purposes. Hmm. All things. All things work for good. That means even the so-so stuff or the difficult stuff in our lives work for God's purpose in your life and in mine. This is how mature believers can survive and even thrive in seasons of suffering. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.